Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, and I am your guest as all your not your guest, your host as always. Um, and I have a lot of different guests from across the country. If you have listened to the podcast, especially the last one with Kyle Evans Gay from Delaware, uh, you know that I have recently completed talking with a guest from all fifty states plus DC. And now I'm going back to find really great people across the country who are running for office or in office or both, because a lot of people who are running for office are also in office right now. Um, tonight is a night of sacrifice. Um, my guest got a new microphone and we didn't get to use her microphone like she wanted to. Um, I am sacrificing because it's Tuesday night and I'm missing Chopped. And that's usually the one non-political thing I really pay attention to. And I'm also missing President Trump doing a town hall in Philadelphia, which is breaking my heart that I have to miss it. As everyone would know, I would love to spend an hour just listening to him blab on about nonsense. All that ridiculousness out of the way, I am really excited to go back to a state that I profiled back in March, um, just as the pandemic started, uh, South Dakota. And I'm going to be talking with Louise Snodgrass. She is a 25-year-old running for office in South Dakota. She is a candidate there for the first time, a progressive, working-class queer person running in the state of South Dakota, as she told me. Um, and she is definitely different than what you would expect from South Dakota, but that does not mean she is not a great candidate. She is. She's bringing a lot of energy and ideas, and I think probably trying to break the norm in the state so she's going to tell us about that not me uh so thank you louise for agreeing to talk today on the podcast yeah thanks for having me it's always a pleasure to be on podcast it's so much fun it is i think everybody has a podcast these days which is <laughs> terrific that needs to happen um so i'm interested south dakota um i talked with Aaron Healy, um, a state representative from South Dakota back in March, and it was just at the time that South Dakota had um, not defeated but had stopped um, some terrible anti-transgender legislation. So yes. it was in the news for not great reasons then. So, um, have things improved in South Dakota, or have they gotten even crazier? Um, I would be honest and say that things have um, kind of, gotten a little bit crazier. Uh, I, I am always proud of my state and my neighbors, but um, right now we're definitely been highlighted in the media in a negative way. Um, I would say that we have been getting a lot of attention because of the lack of COVID restrictions and um, our uh, governor is in, a fierce supporter of Trump. And then um, as well as uh, more recently, our attorney general uh, recently um, hit a pedestrian with his car um, and it was a fatal, fatal uh, crash. So um, the attorney general is alive, but the individual that he hit um, is deceased. So that is some more recent news. Um, other than that, yeah, we are the known as the pioneer state for anti-trans legislation. Within the last five or six years, they have tried to propose 19 anti-trans legislative bills. Um, so we are hardly in the in the news for for positive things, which is one of the reasons why I'm running. Well, it's not really good when the headline about your attorney general is, he was involved in a fatal accident, but don't worry, he wasn't the one who died. 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was a it was a press conference. I, I saw a tweet right at 525. Christy Noam is hosting a uh, press conference, 530, uh, tune in. And so I tuned in. It was three minutes. It was the attorney general was involved in a fatal car accident. We are um, unable to share details at this time. And then immediately after, the attorney general made a statement. So then we were like, okay, he's alive, but somebody's not. So what's going on? And, you know, slowly we have been giving all these details and hats off to all of the reporters in South Dakota who have been digging deep into this investigation to find the details that they can share. Um, so for me, I, I remember South Dakota differently than you. I've been involved in politics in some way, shape or form since 2002, if not mm-hmm. earlier in less ways. You are 25 years old. Yes. So I assume that in 2002, you were not too politically active. Um, <laughs> when did you start getting involved and and being active in the political scene. Yeah, so I would say that I have been paying attention to politics since I was a very young age. The first thing I can remember doing that was political was creating little rally signs, are you Bush or Kerry, and marching around my street. Um, And I can't can't think off the top of my head what year that was, but I definitely remember thinking, well, I'm going to get involved, and my family would send me... um, youth Rush Limbaugh books, and like that's what I was fed as a child, reading Glenn Beck and Rush Limbaugh, and now <laughs> that's the opposite of who I am. Um, I, in high school, really paid attention to a lot of the legislative um, sessions here in South Dakota because they are so important, um, because they are creating a lot of legislation that is affects everyday people immediately. It's not, um, a lot of times it isn't just a budget Uh, legislative piece. It is legislative pieces that tell you how you can exercise your First Amendment rights, um, how you can identify as a person within sports. Um, So I've been politically involved since probably uh, 2009. I've been very um, in-depth of Googling and paying attention to um, the legislative sessions, whether that's, you know, going to the Cracker barrels, as they call them here, where we have um, forums with our legislators and going to those or just um, staying online and reading things online. So at the very least, you've been politically engaged since at least you've been a young teenager then. Yes. Yeah. But uh, something you said grabbed me, though. You said you remember holding signs about Bush and Kerry. That was the year that Tom Daschle lost his election. He was Mm -hmm. the Senate majority leader. Um, my yeah. first election that I worked on was 2002 in Iowa. Um, I remember Tom Daschle came to the state to campaign as everyone comes to, and and even then people were talking about him running for president possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting that South Dakota, North Dakota, 20 years ago had Democratic senators um, who had won by wide margins. Um, do you think things have changed there? Has the par- have the parties changed? Is it national media like Fox News? Right. Um, so, is there a trajectory that's happening in South Dakota and maybe North Dakota as well? It's definitely interesting um, because I hear this from my my grandparents and my parents that you know I got to vote and support Tom Daschle, Tim Johnson, Stephanie Herseth Sandler Sandlin. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry, I I just. Uh, forgot her last name right right there, but um, they celebrate that they had Democratic senators and they had um, a great representation at the state level with their Democratic legislators. But um, I'm not sure what happened. I think that um, there was a lot of shifting with the party. I would say that um, 
the Democratic Party started stepping away from engaging rural voters mm-hmm. and was primarily focusing on urban and metro populations uh, here in South Dakota and beyond across the entire country. And um, a lot, in my opinion, I've watched this as I grow up, the language that like the common person uses, the idioms that we share, was started to get picked up by the Republican Party. So we hear things like until the cows come home and and that just like really resonates with the average person whereas we hear a democratic candidate using larger phrases like abysmal and egregious and it's just it is um stepping away I think from the average person and really focusing um and recognizing that there is almost in South Dakota this democratic elitism that is perpetuated it isn't real uh but it is definitely seen as like oh you're a democrat all you care about is for you four-year universities and professors um and that is simply not true but that's kind of what's happened in the state of south dakota um so i think that like a lot of our culture and our idioms as like common working class people has been hijacked by the republican party uh, there's actually the majority of South Dakota voter, voters are not Republican. They're independents. Um, well, I think the majority is Republican, but it's not more than half. But our legislative body is around. It's a supermajority. It's like 70 percent is Republican. Um, but our voters are only like 47 percent are registered Republican. So there's just a, a misrepresentation at the state level. And then our leadership just kind of is a super Republican as well. We're voting for. Um, less and less moderate individuals. And the definition of what is moderate or conservative or liberal or progressive, what, like I feel like over the last 20 years since I've been involved in politics, um, those labels seem to mean different things now uh-huh. in a lot of ways. And maybe some are the same, obviously, but um, you know, I, I just remember even in 2004, as we discussed, and you were very young then, um, it seemed like there were business Republicans. So there was almost an elitism from Republicans, like you said, um, right. who they were talking about business and tax cuts and this and, you know, job growth, blah, blah, blah. Um, right. And now it doesn't seem like Republicans are um, business Republicans. And, and there's there like there's Kansas and other states where there's like a shift. There's a big divide between Republicans from business Republicans who may be like um, who John Thune may have presented himself to be. I'm not saying he is, but just, you know, like, that's what people right. thought. Um, and crazy people. Like, <laughs> you know, and I, 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 you know, I don't want to say crazy necessarily. I guess I just did. But, you know, people who are so far off the deep end, like Steve King uh-huh. or Matt Gates and things like that. And so there is that is that true in South Dakota that there's a divide uh, between old school? Yeah, concerns? there is a divide in each party. So there is a clear divide in the Democratic Party, and there's a clear divide in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. My incumbent legislators here in, in Brookings, um, they stand firmly for, for human rights and basic health care and things like this. Um, um, and they are made fun of by their Republican um, legislators. They are Republican, but they are listening leaders, right? And and they're, they might be called like Mitt Romney Republicans. That's like a new coined term that people are saying. <laughs> um, that might be how they're considered these days, but they get made fun of by the, the Republican Party. They say they get roasted and, be, and are told that they're more Democrat than they are Republican. 
Um, we have legislators in the st in the state here in South Dakota that write legislation that is trying to recriminalize gay marriage, and then when you question them about it, you know, like why do you think that this is something you can do? They say, well, you know, the Supreme Court has no jurisdiction in South Dakota. So it's like, I, I, I'm sorry, that's I don't think you went to government class in high school because I think that the Supreme Court does have jurisdiction in South Dakota. Um, so, yes, we have some people that are definitely, they're in this legislative position, and they probably should not be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like those are the same people who would be adamant that the Supreme Court matters because the Supreme Court's going to get rid of abortion, right? Right, yeah. They, they will uphold, they will uphold um, institutions when the institutions um, benefit them. But, you know, and, and same with freedoms. Um, they will uh, walk around and celebrate their freedoms, but then as soon as an individual who would like to access abortion care or um, gender-affirming surgeries, uh, suddenly those freedoms are no longer available to them. Um, and that's simply unfair. So... But let's get to you and your race. You decided right. to run before the pandemic, right? Yes. And I imagine while some things are the same or have changed since then, um, what was the main motivation for you to get involved in running at that point? Right. And is it, are the motivations the same now as they were then? Yes. So I decided to run um, because of, you know, multiple things, but the big thing, the thing that broke the camel's back for me was the legislative piece that you actually interviewed um, Aaron Healy about. Uh, the House Bill 1057 um, in the 2020 session, which was uh, criminalizing gender-affirming care to minors, um, criminalizing it for doctors to perform gender-affirming care, which isn't a problem in South Dakota. Um, they don't perform surgeries uh, on minors in general here in South Dakota when it comes to gender-affirming care. Um, and Yes, so this this was a huge issue for me. Um, I helped organize a protest on the Capitol building um, steps, and then we also occupied the committee hearing that it was uh, then killed in, um, put to rest at the 41st legislative day. That's how they, they're like, oh, and this is put to the 41st legislative day, which basically means it's done. Um, and that, you know, I remember going to Facebook and saying, how loud do we have to yell until our representatives actually hear us because there were people across the state emailing their representatives about so many pieces of legislation. I shared with you, you know, maybe nine crazy mm -hmm. pieces of legislation from 2020, um, 1057 being one of the crazier ones. But so many people were upset with what was happening at the state level. They were emailing their representatives and getting no response. And then when we would have forums, and this is an example, we had a forum in Brookings, and I brought up uh, Senate Bill 109, uh, which was a bill proposed to allow healthcare providers to refuse care if that care violates the provider's conscience, which puts philosophy, morals, and religious beliefs before the care of the patient seeking medical care. So you could be a doctor and you could say, you know, actually this goes against my beliefs. I'm not going to perform this um, life-saving surgery. Sorry. Or I'm an EMT. I don't really believe in this person's lifestyle or this doesn't um, uphold my morals. I don't want to, you know, perform this care, which is wrong and goes against the Hippocratic Oath. Well, I questioned my legislators about that. And what they said to me was, you need to understand that there are so many bills and we have so much work to do and we just don't have time to know all of these bills. And this was 
towards the end of the legislative session. So the fact that they told this to me, that, you know, I have four jobs and I am pouring over all of these legislative pieces and I'm being told that they have work to do and they don't know all these bills is just insulting. Um, and that, you know, really pushed me over the edge. I was like, I'm going to run for office then. Because if I'm doing a better job for, than you right now and my community is saying that they want me to speak for them, then I'm going to do it. And it's one thing to not know about every bill that's pending, because there's in, in a legislature, there are bills that may have not been introduced to everyone. But one, that's obviously not a good answer. But two, why would you vote on something that's so substantial? You know, it's mm-hmm. not. And I, I imagine the response you hear from people like, do they not think it's a big deal? Or like when you talk to people who support these um, very draconian measures. Do you think that they just think they should do it and it's not that big of a deal and why are you complaining about it? It's almost a... It, the response I received was very much... Because uh, I don't, I didn't say their response word for word. I very much paraphrased it. it the the uh, attitude that was behind the response was almost, I wasn't actually told how to feel, feel about this bill yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, a lot of these bills go up and they think that they're the big thing in South Dakota is the word family values. And that is brought up time and time again. But what is family values? It's totally objective, um, especially for a lot of conservative Republicans. Their family values is white Christian, evangelical Christian households. And so um, they see these things as like, oh, well, it's not substantial or it's really not going to really affect health care if the provider just decides not to care for this person, because that person actually, if they, you know, it's 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 just a strange thing. I feel like they think that they're protect, protecting family values, which is an objective thing, and then also that it's not substantial. It's actually not going to affect South Dakota or it's going to protect South Dakota. It's it's such a strange agenda i can't actually wrap my head around it all and that's one reason why i'm excited to get to pier because i just want to know like what are these people thinking day to day yeah it you know as a father i have two young boys um you know and i don't know what they're going to grow up to be like they they may grow up to um if i find out that they're gay they may be transgender they may want to marry someone of a different race they may they may do anything like but I love them, right? Like, I can't imagine the family value in our family to not want them to be who they are. And I just, it's hard to wrap my head around as a straight white male. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, this, this word family values is used so often. And one thing that I was told when I began to run is you need to base your campaign and your website centered around values. People in South Dakota, voters in South Dakota, only want to know what your values are. And there may be some truth to that, but I want to give South Dakota voters a benefit of the doubt and assume they also want to know what policy I want to push and what my agenda is as a candidate. And so there's a lot of candidates on both sides of the aisle that just use the blanket term family values. And it's just like, okay, well, what, what does that mean to you? Because this is an objective thing. Like, what do you actually support? When you say you want to protect families, what does that actually manifest as? Well, and priorities, um, you know, policies are values and vice versa, right? So right. I imagine that the the policies that you are trying to support or oppose don't come just from 
you know, they, they don't just come from reading a book and looking at some data. They also come from values of what answers you want to solve. Right. Yes. They're, they're, they're values that I hold and that I see my community holds as well. A lot of the things that I, I center my campaign around my community, my city, my city government has a mission statement that I know that folks in my community support fiercely. And that's, that mission statement is um, all about sustainability and supporting your neighbor and being inclusive and um, inviting folks of all backgrounds to bring their dreams. Um, it's all about resiliency here in Brookings. And that is something that I firmly believe in. And I know my community members believe in as well. And I want to bring that to the state. I want to bring that for the whole state as well as my district. My district has it, has it really well. I'm go, like we have issues. We have uh, issues that we care about. We have a budding economy. We have a very strong so, uh, small business economy. We are a university town. Um, we have a great manufacturing industry here in my community. It's a very diverse community when it comes to business and economy. Um, but we are also extremely um, more. Uh, we're li more liberal than the other South Dakota towns. So we're the only community in South Dakota that has a mask mandate um, in our city limits. We um, have uh, a very fierce support of LGBTQ plus individuals. We actively um, work towards sustainability and we, um, we're considering a plastic bag ban here in our community. And that's just like a small list of things. These are things that Brookings, we're we have these things now and I want to, you know, go to the state and say, well, why can't we push a little bit more of this wonderful Brookings for all of the state of South Dakota? I think that's really commendable. And also, you know, you mentioned about Democrats focusing on major metropolitan areas. There are all these pockets of the country, big like Philadelphia or smaller like Brookings and other places where Democrats should not ignore like they the it's not like they're ant antithetical to progressive values. Mm -hmm. it, but you you use the word resiliency and it brings me to the things you were talking about to start here. Um, as a person who is LGBT uh, LGBTQ, um, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, um, and you're fighting this battle. And also, all of the things young people have to deal with right now, I, I feel like it really gets downplayed with you, your life has been, as a 25-year-old, a lot of tragedy or hardships starting from when you were, let's say, 25 years ago, so that you were like six when 9-11 happened. Yes. Um, just a lot of really hard things. Like, how is that on you and people like you, having that on your shoulders and fighting those fights that you probably think you shouldn't have to have to fight. Right. Um, so it is definitely, for some, it is really um, aggravating and exhausting, and they step away. They disengage. And for others, like myself, um, we fight harder. You know, we, we, we um, band together, and we work harder. And sometimes that looks like anger. And mm -hmm. angry is not a bad emotion. It's kind of what you, how you react with anger, and how you internalize your anger, do all that stuff. But um, and it's, I would never shame an individual my age from stepping back and like disengaging because it is exhausting. 
I'm exhausted all the time. I know my friends are exhausted. We look to our futures and we say, what, (laughs) where are we headed? Because, you know, everything that we've experienced as people existing since we were born is tragedy and hardship after hardship. And 2020 has been all of that, um, in, uh, you know, a short six month time span. So it's just like, oh, this is how it's just, it's insane. And so I would never shame someone from disengaging. I think I want to work harder for you because like, it is so exhausting for you, um, that you have to totally shut out. Um, so it is definitely extremely aggravating when you try to speak up to current, um, uh, the current establishment, uh, whether that is Republican or Democrat. It is incredibly in, um, aggravating when you say, no, you are not listening to young, politically active people who say that these are important because we are the generation that is next. Like, we are the next leadership, and we are trying to stand up for our nine-year-old sisters and brothers and those who will come behind them. And it is we are ignored. And I think this year we are ignored far less, but we are still told, you know, well, you're insulting, you're combative, you know, you shouldn't use the word defund, you shouldn't do these things, you shouldn't say this. It's like, well, that's all well and good, but we're fighting for our futures and our, you know, and everyone behind us is futures. (laughs) So please understand that you cannot like shame us for feeling this feisty energy (laughs) Mm -hmm. because we want to, you know, we want to change. It's, it's just frustrating. I'll, I'll admit it's just frustrating. And, um, I, I really work really hard and smile through my teeth to, to really, um, I don't play the game, but I, I want people to respect me. And sometimes that is just squinting my mask (laughs) Um, (laughs) and just, saying you know repeating over and over again i am trying to be cooperative but you are not respecting me (laughs) i want you to understand that you are not respecting me and you're not respecting the young people who are standing up alongside of me um and so it's just a matter of like i have not been combative my entire life but in this moment we like i have to be (laughs) and i i imagine for you you might look at back at people like me and i'm upset too but i don't so i'm not talking about myself necessarily but and say how are you not upset like Uh you know i I imagine you know as a parent just as a parent right now um and i'm not pointing fingers or mad at anyone in particular i mean well i am mad at some people in particular but um you know it's just when i see people who are not stressed out i'm like you're either stressed out or you're lying in my opinion or you're just Uh in an alternate reality right yeah, and I I just, I don't know. I would say that a lot of people my age are incredibly stressed out. Right. Um, and some people just don't know what to do with that energy, and they totally just disengage. And it's dangerous because, um, you know, it's dangerous when all of a sudden your friends disengage. Like, mental health is a huge, huge factor for my generation, and it's because of, you know, there's just an astronomical amount of things. But, um, yeah, I'm very concerned about my friends and family who are my age and younger and even older. It's just, uh, yeah, this is a very hard year, and it's very frustrating um, when you have leadership um, that 
just wants to continue doing my way or the highway. And it's like, no, your way has not worked. Please understand. Like we're trying to be, um, original and, and, um, and like, and really trying to be resourceful. We're trying to make this work. Like we don't dislike you. We just want to use your wisdom and our wisdom combined to create something that's better. (laughs) And I, I'm constantly, um, tiptoeing, I would say, uh, and it's not, I am constantly being like, folks are assuming that by me changing the game, I think that they, their system is broken mm-hmm. and didn't work and is wrong. And I just want to say, no, I just want to reinvent your system so that it works again. Like it, obviously it worked at some point, but it's not working right now. And so let's make it work again. And so let me make it work right and so for someone like me for people like me who want to be allies um not just to but to to all of these groups that you have to fight for for the lgbtq community to uh people of different races um to young people and i I don't want to put everything on your shoulders you're just one person (laughs) from south dakota but if 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 i want to be an ally what are some ways i can be a good political ally um, whether it is from a distance or nearby, what kind of things do you hope to find from other allies in these fights? Right. I would love, I think that amplifying others is really important. So people mm-hmm. who have, you know, just a few Twitter followers retweeting somebody and being like, this person has great ideas or listen to this person or read this thread and not even necessarily adding your own, you know, thoughts on it. Just, just saying like, read this, like, Breaking news, read this. Um, I think that's awesome. And um, I think also uh, reaching out, I think being the one to reach out sometimes is, honestly, that is the most heartwarming part for me. Like, that is the most rewarding part or or the most, like, really exciting, I would say, is when an individual reaches out to me and says, like, I want to hear from you or I'm excited that you're running or you're doing a great job. I want to learn more. Um, instead of me having to reach out to leadership or trying to find these people, um, organizations to seek endorsements or do all these things. It's really amazing when uh, uh, somebody who is a current legislator or elected official sees a young person being active in the community and reaches out to them. I think proactive conversation is really important. Um, And then I would, yeah, I would just say like amplifying voices, proactive conversation and connection. um, And then even just you know soliciting like hey what do you guys think (laughs) um being open to listening is really important too um and then everyone has advice but it's whether or not that advice is asked for i do receive advice in my email inbox quite often um and more often than not i didn't email that person for the advice so it's it's whether or not you know like hey, is this an appropriate time to tell this person that, you know, their logo looks great, but they should include this word in it? <laughs> Maybe not. Um, unless they ask me, then I'm not going to share it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can keep that to myself. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's a thing. Um, and respecting the hard work that young people are doing, just because they're young doesn't mean that they're, you know, not working hard and learning and, and know a lot of stuff. Because we have been on the Internet for a long time. since We've known how to operate search engines forever and that's all i do every day i pride myself and one time i watched a youtube video and i was able to find somebody's outfit in one random clip in 15 minutes because i googled the right things (laughs) um so like 
uh, my generation knows how to Google. I will just admit it right there that we can research a lot of stuff. So I think respecting the knowledge and, and ideas that young people have too. Well, great. I That's why we reached out to you. I want to hear from people. Um, sometimes I feel bad, not too bad, but that um, like I see oh, there's so many really incredible people who are in their 30s and 20s and even younger um, who are so much more powerful in their voice than people who have decades of experience. And that does, again, that doesn't mean those people are bad, but... Why would you want to live in a boring world without them? Yeah. And your logo looks great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It's, I I mean, I love all the advice I get. I, I do. Sometimes it's like, okay, you probably shouldn't have sent that email, but I will take it into consideration. And I think this is this person's way of trying to be helpful. So, um I will be the punching bag for the per- people behind me. But, yeah, um, if you are an individual who has advice for someone and it necessarily wasn't asked for, maybe keep it to yourself. That's one advice I have. That's an unsolicited advice I have for others. Well, it's a, it's important, especially when you are in kind of a more stressful position. Like, again, I'm a straight white male age 18 to 45, as Homer Simpson would say. Um, and maybe Homer's <laughs> too far beyond you. I don't know. Um, no, but, I watched a lot of Simpsons. <laughs> but the world, like, is made for people like me. Um, mm-hmm. And so, some, but you have, you and so many others have a lot of other things on your shoulders that I don't have in the same way. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a different fight for respect. My for I have learned that I have respect automatically, whether I deserve it or not, and uh-huh. um, hopefully we can get more respect for people like you. Um, I One thing I did learn from reading your, your emails back and forth is that, like you said, your campaign is turned upside down. It's a very different campaign right. than you expected. Is your campaign... Have you... Um, do you think you've really changed how campaigns can be? Is it exciting to see how your campaign is doing things that... You know, you mentioned John Kerry and George Bush. They were certainly not doing the things that you're doing now. So <laughs> is that kind of fun, how you've been reinventing things? Yeah. Um, so when I first decided to run, I was so nervous. I was really scared because people were giving me all this advice of a traditional campaign. And, you know, I have to wear the blazer and I have to go to these events. And I have to, you know, knock on these doors and I have to speak at these events. Like, I just, it was just a lot of networking and a lot of things that were not me. And I was really just like very apprehensive and so nervous and I was taking all this advice because it was a traditional campaign trail like I'm gonna do how they've always done it um and you know it it was a long shot for me to win like it truly like it was like okay people with name recognition they're incumbents like oh you're 25 like yeah well you know you might not win um but here's what we're gonna do we're gonna do door knocking we're gonna, gonna do canvassing you know this is what we're gonna do um and then in March, uh, the world flipped upside down. Uh, I, I remember the date very firmly in my head when my life turned upside down. It was March 21st. My roommate and partner moved to Denver. So, uh, and then, you know, the quarantine started really hitting effect. So he moved in the middle of quarantine, and I um, was left alone. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to campaign without my person, like my one supporter, fierce supporter. And I had a team around me, but I was like, oh, my God, I'm like alone. And now, like, what is it going to look like? Like, do I canvas? What do I do? And I just was like, oh, I'm just going to 
do me. I'm going to do what I love to do, and I'm going to hop on TikTok, and I'm going to do a dance. And then, you know, actually, I'm going to announce that I'm running for office. And then, um, yeah, I just, I really dove into the social medias that I feel comfortable on. These are platforms that I love to use, and I have my voice there. Um, And I hit my stride, and I was like, you know, this is me. This is me. You know, the knocking on doors and wearing a blazer isn't me. This is me. And my campaign manager came out, and we took photos. And I was like, you know, do you mind if if you get some photos of me working? I want to use my favorite tool. And my favorite tool is a Pulaski, which is an an axe mixed with... um, um, I can't think of the other tool, but it's basically an axe. It looks like an axe. It's a wildland firefighter axe. And he took a really awesome shot of me wielding an axe, and it took off. And I just started owning myself and the digital digital strategy side of myself. And I will not be door knocking. Um, it's not safe. My community is not really a, a place that's ready for that right now. Um, and I, I'll just do what I do best, which is using these platforms and being myself. I wouldn't want to be a candidate that was anyone but myself. And I think that's how not only can you be successful in politics, but it really um, shields you from things you do later in a good way where, you know, if you're not lying, if you're honest with yourself all the time, then it's easier to do the honest right thing later instead of having to waffle back and forth right now and i think it oh no no go ahead ahead. i'm sorry um yeah i was going to say i think it has changed the game um i think i you know i was intending on using some of these virtual platforms in my original campaign plan because these are pieces of myself and i was like well i want to at least add some of myself to my campaign um but I've had people reach out to me saying, you know, oh, you did a virtual phone banking on Zoom. How did that go? What does that look like? Oh, you did a virtual town hall. How did that go? What does that look like? What is Twitch like? Is it really easy? I've helped, um, like, I've helped a uh, Episcopalian church, a congregation, understand how to use Twitch so that they can start doing Twitch uh, services. I have helped um, community organizations understand Twitch so they can do Twitch services. Um, and also with TikTok, I've collaborated with uh, other candidates across the country saying, you know, this is what works for me on TikTok. This is what I think will work for you on TikTok. I've even helped um, the individual who's running for public utilities commissioner here in South Dakota. I told his daughter, who is 13, I believe, it's like, you know, your dad should really get TikTok. And she's like, I thought so too. I was like, yeah, your dad should really get a TikTok. And he did. And he's doing great. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really great. And um I love seeing people um, or, yeah, hearing from people like, hey, how did that go? I want to implement that for, for my thing. It's like, okay, yeah, do it, please. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, I think it is changing. Um, I think the we are seeing how it doesn't have to be a traditional campaign to win because now what was a long shot is so close. I am forecasted to be a hundred votes away from a winning seat, which is winnable in my, in my mind. Like I could get a hundred votes. I could persuade a hundred people. Especially because you don't know what the electorate's going to be like, you know, with, with this very different terrain. Yeah. You know, if you have a close race in any direction, things can move very quickly in, in 2020, I'm sure. Um, right. I do. First of all, speaking of candidates who use TikTok, um, do you follow Kelly Kraut from Arkansas? Yes. Yeah. She yes. is the she's the candidate that I talk to the most. I uh, she did this podcast before. I love Kelly. 
Um, so shout out to her. She is uh, like one of the best candidates I've seen across the country. Um, and yeah. then two for Twitch, you play games on there, right? You can play games on Twitch. Yeah, there is um, all sorts of different streamers on Twitch. Some of them are, are games. Some of them are cooking. Um, you know, churches are hopping on Twitch right now. But yeah, traditionally it is a, a game streaming platform. You can watch people play World of Warcraft or um, Fortnite or. Um, and do you yeah, play a game on there? I do play games, but I don't play games on Twitch. No, okay. <laughs> um, I use Twitch to. Um, reach my uh, community members uh, with policy. So instead of having um, meetings in person about town hall, like a town hall, basically, I have a virtual town hall. So people hop into the chat and um, I share my outline of like, okay, let's talk about education this week. Um, and so we get into it. Like these are educational issues and this is how I stand on it. This is what implementation, in, implementation I believe, could be in place and that is a bipartisan effort or maybe not and maybe i have to create you know i have to have a stronger push here um but yeah it's been a great way to re reach my community um as well as people across the nation so yeah it's been fun yeah i and it, you're right it nationalizes you in a positive way because people who are you, you don't have you can raise money that way you can raise volunteers who can do phone banking virtually um you, you amplify people on social media um, I just wanted to see what games you played. That's all at that point. <laughs> oh, I play, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I play Overwatch uh, quite a bit because it's so easy to play. Like I just, I, it's, okay, it's not an easy game, but it's just like a quick, you know, oh, okay, that was a 15-minute game. game right. Great. Um, I play World of Warcraft. I play classic World of Warcraft because um, growing up I played RuneScape mm -hmm. and because um, and I couldn't afford WoW. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, I can live my my little kid fantasy and play world of warcraft <laughs> so i play the classic version of wow and then i do play um, some sims right now because it's it's really mind-numbing like at the end of the day after a bunch of campaign emailing i'm like oh let's just hop into my sims really quick right yeah i am when you say classic to me since i'm 40 i'm like oh super mario brothers one or two <laughs> like yeah yeah i have a switch and i'm terrible at video games but i oh but. yeah i wish i had a switch i can't afford one at the moment and in the middle of the pandemic um they were like sold out yeah my friend just had a baby and he was saying how before um, the baby, like when the baby was born, he was going to get a switch, and that was like around the time the pandemic started. Now, yeah, you can't, he can't get them, and yeah. it's my 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 sons are six and four, and they kick butt at Mario Odyssey. So if you get it, <laughs> yeah. you can do that too. Um, yeah. But so speaking of young people, like my son, six and four, but maybe closer to your age, um, the <laughs> podcast is called "You Should Run." What would be your words of encouragement to other people like yourself, especially young people? Um, they're not maybe not for 2020, but for 2021, 2022 and beyond. What would be your words of encouragement to get in the game and, and uh, maybe run for office? I would say, uh, you know, it's never too late to get involved. Um, well, it is too late if like it's past the deadline of signatures uh, for nomination. But um, there are people who are thinking about, you know, running in two years and they're like, oh, am I too late? No, you're never too late. Um, really try to understand, is this something that your community needs from you? Um, I think if it's, there's a need, then go for it because then you can, you know, st start building your support um, systems 
early who's going to be there for you to field calls like, oh, I got to send this press release. Is this word okay? Um, really find that support really early on um, if you do decide to run. And just honestly be yourself. Uh, it's a lot of work. And if you're not going to be yourself during that work, it's going to be even more exhausting. So uh, it is a performative role almost. Um, you feel like you're standing on a stage and uh, there's so many you know, platitudes that you feel like you're saying on Twitter um, and so many things that you're like, well, is there any oomph behind what I'm saying? And if you are yourself and you are genuine and authentic, um, people will know that there is oomph behind the, the things that you're saying. So I would say be yourself because you can't be anything else and start early with, you know, support. Yeah, it's exhausting to try and be someone else. And uh-huh. I think it, and it's also far more rewarding when you win as yourself than you that, right. You don't want to and, be... you know, if if you lose and you are yourself, what, you know, <laughs> there's nothing that it just you were yourself. And that's a, that's all you could have been. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when I think about, like, oh, if I lose, like, people are like, well, you know, you might lose. It's like, yeah, okay, I might. But I was myself. And I had people come together and celebrate this campaign and really get behind this campaign and the progressive action that we're go- that we want to bring to South Dakota. And that's not going to go away. So just if you are yourself and you can rally people behind you because of yourself, then who cares if you win and lose? It'd be awesome if you win. But if you lose, there is a direction forward, too. Well, I started this interview 45 minutes ago feeling a little bit um, despondent about the world, about um, missing Chopped, um, and you know not being able to use Louise's um, great new microphone. But I'm honestly feeling a lot more optimistic after talking with you than I have um, during just the rest of today, much less the, the <laughs> week. So um, I appreciate it. Louise, fi- one final question, and I'm sure this is an easy one for you. If people want to learn more about you and follow you online, what's the best way that they can follow you on social media? Yeah, so um, the best way that people can get connected with me on social media, I'm the most active on Twitter right now. So if you find me on Twitter, at Lou4SD, 4 as in the number 4, Lou, L-O-U, 4SD, that is the best way to find me. I constantly am sharing my TikToks on there. Um, I am sharing my Twitch stream. links on there as well and um, also Facebook posts constantly but if you want to connect via email that's always great too I love sending emails I send them about twice a week um, with fun graphics like they're very appealing I'm, I'm doing the hard work behind the scenes on Adobe Illustrator for these emails uh, but if you want to sign my um, if you want to sign up for email just head to my website uh, lou4 the number 4 sd.org and I love yeah, I love connecting with people, so I my DMs are always open. That's what I tell people. That's how we connected, and I'm glad we did. Yeah. Um, so definitely follow uh, Lou here. You will be you will not be disappointed, and we'll see what happens this November. I think I'm I'm hopeful for you, for the country, for South Dakota. But at the very least, we know that win or lose, uh, Lou's going to be herself. And that's important. Exactly. And that's something we can all listen to. So, again, if you're listening, please consider running for office yourself, whether it's next year or the year after, or get involved. You will not regret doing something. You will regret doing nothing. Um, so I appreciate your time today, and uh, best of luck in South Dakota. Thank you so much, and best of luck where you're at as well, Boston or Philadelphia? <laughs> Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah. Sorry yes. about that. <laughs> right now the president is about an hour away from me. 
And oh. I know. So so he uh, so that's unpleasant. But I'm surprised you know. my governor's not with him. No, she's uh, she was off. I, I was following your governor was off in uh, New Hampshire starting her 2024 campaign. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, doesn't sound like the best idea. But so maybe she shouldn't run for office. But if you're listening, maybe you should. And that's how we're going to. Yeah, end this you should run for office. <laughs> Thank you so much.